We are teaching on vision, and today we are focusing on selection and maintenance of the aim. We, we just come out of plenary, which is our, our more like a synod, our coming together of leaders, finalizing and believing, laying the foundation as to where we believe God is taking us. And we just came out of a conference, which is a vision casting conference. And today we are looking, it's the first weekend after that vision casting conference. This is our new year as the Emmanuel Christian Church. Our year starts in September and in the spring. And we believe that even in the spirit, the Lord is with us. Hallelujah. So this, the topic for our teaching today is selection and maintenance of the aim. You find this in the book called Good General, written by Bishop Doug Howard Mills. And it's chapter 8. Um, may the Lord bless you. Now, the challenge about selection and maintenance of the aim is that most of the time, people do many things but fail to maintain the purpose and the aim. And as a church, there are things that God has called the church to, and in particular, Emmanuel Christian Church to do. We believe we are a mission church which is part of our resolutions, that we are a mission church. We are a sending church. We are a church that plant other churches. We are a teaching church. We are a teaching church. A church that grows and matures leadership in order to do the work of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can we go together to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says, therefore, my dear brothers, I want to say, since we live in an inclusive society, brothers and sisters, in the kingdom, you are all brothers. But for the sake of the feminists, we'll say sisters, but you are included in the brothers. It's like the word man, it includes both male and female. But since we live in a society that sometimes the, the, the right become the wrong. There is a lot of confusion. But Apostle Paul is writing. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work. Hallelujah. Knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can you tell your neighbor, the labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see, you have to understand that we are serving the Lord. The church exists to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. The church exists to serve God. Hallelujah. Now, Apostle Paul is writing to us. He says, therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast. The word steadfast is a military word. A navy word that simply means to stay on course. Hallelujah. The ability as well to come back on course. Most of us, we start, but we are unable to stay on course. Maintaining our aim is a principal part of the church. And we learn that the armies of the world, the maintenance of the aim is one of the principles of fighting and winning wars. If we are going to win as a church, 
We need to know what is our mission. We need to know what is our aim. What is our focal point? All of our resources and everything that we have as the church of Jesus Christ must be able or put together to make sure that we maintain and fulfill the mission that is set before us. And here we see that the Americans, it is taught in the number, as a, as a main principle in the British Army, in the U.S. Army, in the Russian Army, and as well in the Chinese Army. To select the aim and maintain it. So as a church, we have selected the aim and we want to maintain that aim. There are many things we can teach. We can teach you about prosperity, which I already believe it's in the scriptures, and you are bound to be successful. You are bound to succeed and prosper when you do the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. But we can choose to do social activities, things that have nothing to do, or maybe things that are byproducts. I always use the example of a couple. When you propose a young woman, I always ask when we marry people that this, this boy or doing counseling, did this young man, when he proposed to you, did you say to your old girl, turn around, let me look at your waist and your back parts. I think you will be able to carry children and conceive. Your waist looks strong. I ask every girl, no girl has ever received that kind of a proposal where the boy was saying, I, I'm looking for children. Because it's assumed and it is taken that children are a byproduct of the intimacy between a husband and a wife. And that is why, for those who are married, we don't even need to pray for you. Because if you are intimate, you know, you have people who will come and say, Pastor, we don't have children. The first question you ask is, how many times a week? Isn't it? Because the aim is to have children. So we ask, we ask what? How many what? How many times what? I don't hear you. To conceive and have children takes activity. It's not just a thing that happens because pastor prayed for you. But it's the activity, the maintenance, the, the selection and maintenance of the aim remains the principal part. When you got married, what was the reason why you got married? If white people divorce because they have forgotten why they got married. If you remember, you will go back there and you will realize there's no reason whatsoever under the sun for you to divorce. We read from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 28, verse 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, always excelling in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We have as a church to select our aim. And we are standing by that aim. We spoke about the word steadfast. That is a navy word. It shows the ability to maintain a course. There are a lot of people who, who come to church. It's a good thing to come to church. But you might have moved away from the course. You were not born again to come to church and sing songs. That's not, Jesus didn't die for singers. For you to come and sing in the church and make people happy. No, no, no. That's not what he died. He died that through him, our relationship with God may be restored. And that we may carry our cross 
The same way as he carried, where did Jesus carry the cross to? To be crucified. You can't, you can't, you can't say I'm a Christian and not carry your cross. Praise the Lord. You have to carry your cross. So we have to maintain the ability to maintain the cause. And when you get lost, the ability to come back to your cause when you, you have shifted away from it. The example I could give is my youthful years. I used to go and visit my grandmother and my cousins. They stayed with my grandmother in the village, not far from here. Winter is a, is a hunting season. We'll go out to hunt. And sometimes with dogs, we will chase one or two of the animals. My cousins were light. They will run faster and I'll be left behind. And one time I realized, when I look around, I realized they were too far. The barking of dogs was too far. I couldn't follow. And I realized, I can't even go back to my village. I'm lost. And most of us are like that. You receive Jesus, and as you came into the knowledge of the kingdom of God, you got lost in the many activities that the church does. But you are not maintaining the aim why you were saved, why you were born again. Why did you come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ? We came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ that through our life, many others may come to know God. But some of us have just thought to be born again means having a big car, driving a nice house, and having two and a half children with a model wife. On stilettos, of course. Isn't it? A six-pack husband and a stiletto's wife and two and a half children in a nice modern car. That's not what the church is called for. Those, all of those things, the Bible says, seek ye first, what? The kingdom and all these things will be what? Will be added. You are laboring for things that have already been given for free. You have, you have made those things your main task, but they are given and they are available for you. So, there is no reason for you to labor and to sweat for things that are already yours. Imagine somebody. So, when I got lost in the bush, I realized, let me try to go home, but I realized I don't know where I'm going. So, crying, I cried a little bit. But I realized my crying didn't help me because it brought more confusion. I don't know where to go home. And the easiest thing was to get on a tree, go up, and try to see how far is my cousins and how far is my village so that I can go back there and find my place. So we are talking about being steadfast, immovable. The ability that in the midst of the many exciting things in life, you come back and say, I'm still a Christian. And the work of a Christian is not to come to church to be blessed, but is to come to church to die. That others through their life may see God. Hallelujah. I've got a few points that I want, about four of them, that I want us to engage. We have to go back on course. We have to fulfill the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. Not only for us, but the many others who have come who need to hear the gospel. Amen. You were not born again. Just to drive a nice car and to stay in a nice house. 
and then to go and work for Pharaoh the rest of your life, hoping that at the end of your life, your life will be meaningful. The greatest meaning to life is to serve the Lord. Point number one, preaching the gospel is the aim of the church. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ is the aim of the church. Not preaching social gospel. Preaching the gospel is the aim of the church. Not preaching social gospel. As the church, we cannot select our own aim. Jesus has already chosen, since he's the owner and the master of the church, Jesus has already chosen for us what is the aim of the church. He says, go into the whole world and preach the gospel. Mark 16, verse 15 to 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 16. Verse 15, it says, Then he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to the whole creation. Hallelujah. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. May the Lord have mercy. Listen, God has called us. The church, Emmanuel Christian Church, exists to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The mandate is given. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to those who believe, you teach them, and you baptize them. Hallelujah. So the church, the work of the church is to preach and maintain this that Christ was doing. Preaching the gospel is the aim of the church, not preaching social gospel. I'll give you a picture of a social gospel. Many years ago, when our church started, we started what we call soup kitchen, feeding people. I used to hear that. The church was not as big as it is, so I could do that by myself. So we started the soup kitchen, and we, we had people coming to eat. Then one day, I prepared and I waited nicely for my usual congregation, about 30 to 40 people to come and eat. And that day, only two people came. And I asked them, where is your friends? Where is everybody else? And they told me, there is another church that is offering meaty bone soup today. So all of them have chosen to go for the meaty bone soup than this your soup here that doesn't have meaty bones. And I said, why did you come? Because I thought, this is a good thing. I'll get a very good answer. They didn't come because they liked me. They didn't come because they liked our church. They didn't come because we teach them well. They came, when they look at their watch, they realize they won't make the meaty bone soup time. By the time they arrive, where, where the, bony, the meaty bones were being served, it will be too late. So they remembered, we'll go to Emmanuel Christian Church, we'll get whatever is there to eat. That is the last time we buried the soup kitchen. That, because it's social justice, social gospel. We're doing that because everybody was doing it. We have helped few people. We have repatriated, bought tickets for people. Because every time people came, I, I went to them and I asked, why are you in the city? No, my parents, some people came to look for a job. 
they found themselves on the streets. They are moneyless, painless. And so if they had the chance, they'll go back home. So I'll buy them a ticket, put them on the on the bus, make sure that they go home. But that day I realized this thing is not working. Now I realize in time that the other organization that are feeding, not all of them, but others that are feeding, they were not feeding people because they wanted people to be liberated and free. But they were feeding people so that they can justify funding for themselves. I don't know you get it. You must remain dependent on us so that we can take a picture and justify or call some other people to come and see that we are feeding. And on that ground, I, we, we made our decision. We want a gospel that transforms lives. Not just give people food, but people don't change. Your, your life needs to change. Your life needs to be impacted by the gospel. You need to be transformed when you hear the gospel. So, Emmanuel Christian Church exists that we will preach the gospel, not just a social gospel, but a life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to please the one who called us. He said, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Unless we preach the true gospel as a church, we are going to be just like any other church. How is a church successful? Is it because we have a crowd? Is it because of the crowd that we have, that we are successful? I don't think so. You'll be deceived if you are thinking it's the crowd. The ability, a most successful church is a church that trains and sends people out. If we say we have succeeded, it's when each and every one of you is able to preach the gospel, is able to understand the power of the gospel and apply it in their own life and be able to reach and teach others the same that they have received themselves. Then we'll say the church is fulfilling its goal. Not that we have a crowd. Yes, we do have and we need more people to come. It says I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It is the duty of the church to build churches. The church exists to plant more churches. And you will be part of the people who are planting churches. I said you are the one who's going to be sent. I said you are the one who's going to die in the mission field. Yes, we will send you. As I have come, I like the poetry that was done this morning. Had God not called me, where will you be? I know some of you think, oh, I will be there. I'll be there. Let me give you that story again. We're given a story that uh, the antelope was walking in the cool of the day and it had this noise, a lion crying out in the, in, the, in, the, in the hole. And the lion was crying, is there anybody out there? Please help. The antelope came, looked into the lion, said, Mr. Lion, what's wrong? He says, I've been in this hole for too long. Will you help me almost a week or two weeks? The antelope, out of a good heart, decided, let me help you to come out. Gave him a step ladder. Mr. Lion came out. When Lion came out, lifted up his hands, put his paws together and said, Jesus, thank you for the food I'm about to receive. When he looked at the antelope, 
he saw lunch. Then he apprehended the antelope. The antelope make a noise, and the elephant came. He says, you are disturbing the neighborhood. Can you tell your neighbor, you are disturbing the neighborhood. So when, when, when the elephant came, he says, what's going on? The antelope tried to explain. I was just passing. Lion was in the hole. And lion was saying, I've been in the hole for a number of weeks. So the elephant said, hey, I don't get you. are confusing me. Let everything go back to where it comes from. Then I will understand how everything happened. The lion, without thinking, jumped into his hole. And then the antelope was coming, walking. And the elephant said, do you feel the peace? Let everything go back to where it come from. Listen, I know you believe you are self-made. You are not. Others made you. We contributed into your life. You are who you are because others sacrificed their life. You know, there is a small contribution that somebody made that has made such a great difference. It's not your mother. It's not your father. Yeah. I was talking to a pastor yesterday because we were marrying somebody. I said to the pastor, I noticed that you are claiming this son of mine as your own. Yes, I told him. A father can claim a son, but you can't make a son. A child is born, a son is made. Yeah. And I told him, I said, not everybody is a son. To be a male is one thing, but to be a son is a true character. Commitment. Other people, they are like the lion. We need to put everything back. If we were to put everything back, you wouldn't be where you are. Lady P, you wouldn't be where you are. If we never met. Now think about it. You are a shepherd. You might not think about your importance, your contribution to the life of others. But you will be shocked. That little help you gave to somebody else makes such a great difference. Makes such a great impact. So I want you to have an understanding that the call of God upon the church is to make a difference. Other people I know, they will come to that level and say, you never did much. It's just a little help that makes a great success. With all your parents and everything, you succeeded because we helped you. I was talking to somebody, I said to them, in life, there are three things that happens. One, you can succeed by yourself, but it takes long. Number two, you can succeed because of connections. Or you can succeed because of God's grace, your skills, and all of that. And most of the time, from the little life I've had, you succeed because of others, not because of yourself. It's other people who have given you the grace. So as a church, we exist for others. Not for ourselves. Our church is what it is because others have helped us. So let me say it very clearly to you. You will be sent and you will go. Hallelujah. You will be given an opportunity to lead and you will be a leader. Hallelujah. Take the responsibility and take the grace of correction. You know there are people, if you correct them, they don't take it very well. You must take the grace of correction as well. Hallelujah. So it's the duty of the church to build churches. What we do, we do the work of the ministry as the church. All that preach, 
We must preach the word of God and maintain the aim, which is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, planting churches, and sending as many people as possible to the end of the world. Hallelujah. Number two, the aim of the church is to teach, is to preach, and to heal. Can you tell your neighbor, the aim of the church is to preach, is to teach, and to heal. Yes. Teaching is powerful. Preaching liberates lives of men. Education is good. But we know we have a lot of people who are educated. But they are not liberated. They are still subjected to addictions and difficulties. The liberation of the world has come as a result of the teaching and preaching of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to build hospital. Did Jesus build any hospital? Did Jesus build any hospital? No. Did Jesus build any university that you know? No. Even today, we still do the work of Jesus. What was significant about the work that Jesus has done? Teaching and preaching of the gospel will change your life. When we preach and teach, it transforms, it convicts, it creates a movement within our hearts to love God and to give our life for him. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew 9, 35 says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. We need our churches in cities and in villages. And you will be going there. Hallelujah. It says, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. To maintain and keep our position, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Can you tell your neighbor, let's keep the main thing the main thing. The aim of the church is to do the work of Jesus Christ. We preach, we teach, we heal. When we teach, we transform lives of people. We create a space in them to believe and to have hope. Hallelujah. Matthew 10, 38. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Jesus said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Hallelujah. We expect all to do the work of God. Your love for God should be expressed in the work that you do for God. Hallelujah. We come to church, number one, because we love God. We come to church, number two, because we love the work of God. You see, coming to church is good. But if you come to church to sit like the way you are sitting, you are not really doing much. There are people who can come to church and not know Jesus Christ personally. You are wasting your time. We come to church because we love God. Number two, we come to church because we love the work of God. Most of us, as we have come today, we have done a good thing. Why? Because we love the work of God. How do we love the work of God? By giving our time. We come to church. This place has been prepared by others before you came. They cleaned the place. They packed the chairs. They prayed before you arrived. They prepared. They knew you are coming. 
They prepared themselves for you. I prepared the word. The singers prepared the songs, if they did. The ushers practice and polish their hands how they are going to greet you and how you are going to sit. You look at the church and say, oh, the church is great. It's true, the church is great. But what is your contribution in all of this? Did you put a prayer? Because, secondly, we say we love God because we give our time. They have given their time. Not only that, the same people have given their money. They paid their tithes. This lights to go on takes money. We are streaming now. Is it for free? Eh? Is it magic? Yeah, it's magic. It's not magic. Somebody gave the money. I'm telling somebody. Faithfully paying the tithe. We give offerings because it's part of our Christian duty. We go on the streets. We preach the gospel. It's part of our Christian duty to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hallelujah. So, everything is working because we say we love God. To love God, we give our money, we give our resources, we pledge. We say, oh, we want a building. We are going to give money towards it. All of these things that we have is the love that others show that they have towards God. We love the work of God. You cannot come to church and not love the work of God. The seat you are sitting on, somebody paid for it. Hallelujah. The question is, what is your contribution? It says, freely you have received, freely give. Hallelujah. Freely what? We come to church because we want to be blessed. That's the third thing. We come to church because we want to be blessed. The Lord promises us that he will bless us. May you receive your blessing this morning in the name of Jesus. May the power of grace come upon your life in the name of Jesus. May favor be bestowed upon you in the name of Jesus. And then we come to church because we love our church community. Hallelujah. We want our Christians to be blessed. So we give. We give resources. A good example will be Cape Town as they are listening. They are in a facility they didn't pay for. Somebody's paying for that facility. The church in Cape Town cannot pay. Does it make sense? We, we are in church because we want to bless our church community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Cape Town. I can't hear you. Hallelujah. Yes, we do this because we love the Lord. Number three. To teach, to preach, to heal leads us to the third one, which is sacrifice. You cannot do all of this without sacrifice. Sacrifice and carrying the cross. We have to maintain the aim of the church like those who, who went ahead of us, who gave their life for the kingdom. We all need to surrender and give our all and the best that we have to the Lord. A sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of our resources, our tithes and offering, a sacrifice of all that we can give to the Lord. You need to give a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11, 13 to 15. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, 
But having seen them far off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they will have had the opportunity to return. When we send you as a missionary, we are not expecting you to return. You must die where we are sending you. Listen, don't be a missionary who always says, I'll go back from where I come from. You will never serve faithfully. Can you imagine, I'm here and I'm saying, I'm going to go back to where I'm coming from. Uh, so whatever that I get, I'm sending back. Whatever that I, no, no. The Bible says these people, they sought for a homeland, which is heaven. They wanted to please God. So they gave their life and they gave their all. And they never looked back that me, I'm South African. Me, I'm a British. Me, I'm a Zambian. Me, I'm a Zimbabwean. I need to go back home. When they worked, they gave their all, knowing that God is the one who's going to reward them. So if we are to send you anywhere, we expect you to sacrifice and die. You cannot choose a community and not love it. If we send you to Lesotho, and you are in Lesotho, you should give all that you have to Lesotho. And when you, you die, you even write in your will, I bequeath everything and all that I have to the church in Lesotho. And I will be buried in Lesotho. I don't want to be taken back to Malamulele, uh, to Nkwankwa, to Litsikitsiki in the Eastern Cape. No. I have come here to give my life. Hallelujah. All these people died. Some of them didn't even receive what they went to. Our church, when we came here, I always remind our leaders, don't forget, we look like powerful because we have got the people that are coming to our church. But don't forget, there are people who preached before us. When they preached, they never got the crowds that we are having. They never had people that followed them. They suffered. Some of them died in poverty. And today, we are living in the abundance that they've made available for us. We should be willing as well to sacrifice our life that others through our life may see God. Can you tell your neighbor, you must sacrifice yourself. You must die to yourself. Yes. You can, the church exists for others. We don't exist for ourselves. We need to be sent to go and never look back. The Bible says a servant is not worthy who looks back. You put your hand on the plow and you push. You never look back because that which God has called you to do is more important. You must maintain the aim and make sure that you fulfill the aim that is set before you. Hallelujah. Number four and the last one. We are not ashamed of our aim, which is to preach salvation. We are not ashamed of our aim. We are not ashamed to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. The book of Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
We must preach the gospel. Every Saturday we go out to preach the gospel. We must preach the gospel. We must remain authentic. We must remain immovable, consistent. To maintain the aim, we need to stay focused. We need to stay on course. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we need to stay on course. To allow God to work in us. So I want to challenge you. You must be born again. Because to maintain the aim, on, on, on Friday, when Bishop Ochero was preaching, he taught about this different callings of God. The first calling that we receive is a call to salvation. A call to be saved. A call to serve the Lord. You cannot come to church and not be born again. And say, so, oh no, I love the songs. Oh no, I love the company, the people that I have. We come to church, number one, because we have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is why we are willing to sacrifice and die and give our life for the cause and the call of God upon our life. I believe personally that God has called you and God has a purpose for your life. I believe that many of us are called to fulfill and to become the light and the hope of our community, of our own families. You might look at yourself and say, am I really significant? Am I really important? Can I do something different? I believe deep down in my heart that you can be able to make a difference. We didn't start where we are. We started at some place. So I want to challenge you this morning that you must be born again. Not only that you, for you to come to church, but that your sins must be forgiven. That Jesus died for you. And for this reason, I want you to consider receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Every head bowed. I want to pray for you. We said the church exists to preach salvation. The Bible tells us in the book of John chapter 3. That Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said, Master, no one can do the works that you do unless God be with him. And Jesus says, you are right. And Jesus said to him, you must be born again. And he asked the question, should I go back to my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus says, no, you are a great leader, but you do not understand. Today, maybe you are here. You have been coming to church. You love the things of God, but you have never given your life to Jesus. Today, you can make that decision. Today, you can give your life to Jesus that your life may change, that you may experience the love of God, that from today you may maintain the aim and not lose the aim, that you may be steadfast and immovable and God will reward you. So if you are here today, you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to be born again. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be a child of God. Please lift up your hand right now and we'll pray together. Thank you for joining us with Apostle Vincent Luarte. For more life-transforming messages, connect with us on Twitter at ECCRSA and our YouTube channel at Emmanuel Christian Church HOJ.